0: Welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. I want to tell a story and then give you a little background to the scripture reading and then talk about that scripture um, and how it leads us today. And so the story is when I was younger, little, and I had, was having an argument with my dad, one of many that I had. I was a probably a fairly difficult child like many of you, as we often were. and. I don't remember what we were arguing about in this particular case, but I remember that my rebuttal, after having heard no a few times, my rebuttal was looking my dad in the eye and saying, when I have kids, when I have my own kids, I'm going to let them do whatever they want. Because in my mind, that's what made a good dad. To which my dad, without missing a beat, turned around and said, you do that, son, and we'll just see how that turns out. I had no idea what he was talking about. I was just mad he wasn't letting me do what I wanted to do. He told me no. And it's only now as a, as a dad myself, and I, I guess I knew this long before I became a dad, but I know it all too well because I have a few children and a couple of them certainly like to think that they should be able to call the shots that they know better. And then I have one who just goes ahead and does whatever she wants uh, and, and seeks no permission. And so I'm learning now the great value of foresight, of insight, of wisdom, of understanding that we have these desires in the moment, still to this day, all of us do, that bring about consequences and a way of life that comes behind it as a result. And there is a better way. There is a wiser way full of insight that we can have in God. Now, when I was a younger adult, or maybe an older kid's a better way to say it. I lived a life doing what I wanted to do do in the time and the way that I wanted to do it. And I learned pretty completely, pretty thoroughly, although it took a long time, I learned that I am not wise on my own, that I do not have the foresight, that I am not a very good master of myself, that I I said yes to lots of things that seemed good in the moment, similar to when I was a kid when I wanted to eat all my Halloween candy as soon as we got back from trick-or-treating. I wanted to eat every single bite and was always told no every year because they knew that the consequences of this, what would at first be a lot of fun and, and delicious, would be terrible and awful and, and probably even harmful. And as a young adult, I said yes to a lot of these moments, these, a lot of these these things that were given to me, an opportunity given to me. And and then I learned the severity of the consequences that can come. And so the funny thing is, as I was this older child or, or young adult, depending on, you know, everyone's different people mature at different rates. I was a little slow on the maturity rate. And in the meantime, as a young adult, I was doing a lot of really good things. I participated in church camp as a counselor for several summers. I mean, I spent well over a year of my young adult life at camp doing programming, working with kids, you know, preaching and teaching and loving and sharing and, and really wonderful times. But the summer was usually 10 weeks and there were 42 other weeks that book ended that week. And those 42 other weeks, I wasn't always dedicated to anything other than myself. I wasn't always doing what God was leading me to do. I wasn't surrendering very much of my power and freedom to God. Instead, I was doing the things that I wanted to do. And even some of those 42 weeks, I was serving as a youth minister or a children's minister. I worked with a program that, that helped teach kids responsibility. Um, I, I did a number of programs that were really good. But even then, in the midst of the 42 weeks of doing these other good things, I might do that during the day, and then I kind of clock out and then head home and make different decisions, not only with the day-to-day decisions, but with the decisions about what I was going to do with my life, decisions that would impact a longer spans of time. I was serving myself. Now, sometimes I was serving other things, money. Uh, I was serving this idea of status. Uh, trying to be accepted by my peers and other people, trying to be, uh, develop a good image for myself. I was serving these things, but it was ultimately about me. I entrusted myself to these things to give me what I wanted. And guess what? They never delivered, <laughs> they never delivered. Now maybe for a time, some of them did, just like eating all that candy would have been great for about a half an hour. And then lots of other consequences came, chaos, destruction what I would call a dead life. And it wasn't till I was a bit older when I had hit the bottom a few times and experienced some great pain that I realized I needed to surrender all of my life to only one yes, which was God. Because I knew these yeses, I knew where they led. I knew exactly where they led. I tried it different ways, tried to be smarter each time. Always the same result. But this yes, I didn't know exactly where it would lead me, but I trusted that God was good and that God had greater wisdom than I did. I trusted to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ who came and walked and showed us full surrender and obedience to God, invited us to follow even to the cross and even beyond into the resurrected life that that comes after. I, I said yes to the Holy Spirit to enter into my life and begin to teach me and show me a better way to live life, and I'm still learning, friends. I am still learning, and I have a long way to go, but I know I am headed in the right direction. I still don't always understand where it's leading, but I know it's good. I have full trust in that. But it means I have to say yes to my biggest yes consistently and completely, not just with part of my life, not part of my day, not part of who I am, all of who I am. All of who I am consists of a lot of different things. I am given the gift of time. I get to decide what to do with my time. I'm given the gift of resources, of money and energy. I'm given the gift of a voice and people to hear the voice. I am given the gift to share in lots of different ways and grow in life. And you know, we value time and money very highly Because we use the same words. You know, we spend and invest our money and we spend and invest our time. We certainly don't want to waste our money and we don't want to waste our time. Two big resources that we have. So this is all part of who I am. My dreams, my ambitions, what I want to accomplish. And I have to surrender it every day and say yes to God alone. And sometimes these other things, time, money, resources that I may have a good idea for. Maybe even they're good ideas. They seem good, but I have to say no because they wouldn't allow me to maintain my devotion to my big yes. And so sometimes these little nos are actually just a bigger yes. Sometimes the little yeses do serve the the big yes, and that's great, but not always. But I work to devote myself because I trust that God has something good. Now, Paul is writing to the church in Rome as we continue into chapter six today. Paul has been trying to help them understand the the longer story they've been participating in. And I covered a lot of the context last week, so if you haven't seen that, maybe pause here, go watch the first part of last week to catch you up, and then come back, because what Paul's doing is continuing the image of Exodus, which is all about slavery and obedience. Now, we don't like the word slavery, particularly in our culture, in our nation, with our history, our deep, dark, terrible history, with the kind of slavery that began long ago and we are still seeing the effects around us today. But the way Paul's using it is from Exodus. So I'm going to explain that so when you hear it in the scripture, you know what he's talking about. In Exodus, they were freed from serving... Pharaoh. And in Exodus 1, a lot of the words they use for serving Pharaoh are all based off of one Hebrew root word, Evid. Now, Evid comes to us in Exodus 1 in words like in service, hard labor, taskmasters, slaves. It's all this root word, Evid. And then God tells Moses in chapter 3, I'm going to send you, you're going to lead them out of Evid to Pharaoh and they're going to come to this mountain and they're going to be evid to me. Now the word in your English translation in chapter three might say they're going to come to this mountain and worship me. Evid is the root for worship. So the idea is that we are in our best place when we are in obedience to God. When we're serving something else, it's never going to lead us to anything good. But God leads us out of the messes we get in and leads us into this new way of life, fullness of life, eternal life, life that is truly free, life that is truly good and fruitful. But we only do that when we surrender to God. So this service gets flipped, gets flipped on its head. It's bad over here, but actually it's good over here because it's everything we need when we follow the way and will of God, the wisdom that's beyond our immediate foresight and insight in our current State. And so he then also uses the symbol of uh, soldiers putting on armor because in the first century, they would have known exactly what he's talking about. He talks about presenting your instruments as weapons, um, not to sin, but to righteousness. He's going to talk about that. What he's picturing is a soldier putting on armor. So putting on the things on his legs, on his body, the shield, the helmet, the sword, uh, being ready to do what you do when you put on those instruments. You're going out to serve The will of your commander and to to, to serve in this particular way as a soldier. He's saying, church, you have all these things in your life. You have the time, the money, the ambition, the desire, the resources, your audience, your voice. You have these things that you put on that are a part of you, and you've been giving them to sin, but you're invited to give them fully to God, which will lead you into this new way of life. So with that background, let us go to the scripture, chapter 6. Verses 12 through 23, it is written. So then, don't let sin rule your body so that you do what it wants. Don't offer parts of your body to sin to be used as weapons to do wrong. Instead, present yourselves to God as people who have been brought back to life from the dead and offer all the parts of your body to God to be used as weapons to do right. Sin will have no power over you because you aren't under law, but under grace. So what? Should we sin because we aren't under law, but under grace? Absolutely not. Don't you know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, that you are slaves of the one whom you obey? That's true, whether you serve as slaves of sin, which leads to death, or as slaves of the kind of obedience that leads to righteousness. But thank God that although you used to be slaves of sin, You gave wholehearted obedience to the teaching that was handed down to you, which provides a pattern. Now that you have been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking with ordinary metaphors because of your limitations. Once you offered the parts of your body to be used as slaves to impurity and to lawless behavior that leads to still more lawless behavior. Now you should present the parts of your body as slaves to righteousness, which makes your lives holy. When you were slaves of sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What consequences did you get from doing things that you are now ashamed of? The outcome of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves to God, you have the consequence of a holy life, and the outcome is eternal life. The wages that sin pays are death, but God's gift is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So you see, Paul is reminding them of their identity as baptized people, as a baptized church walking in a newness of life, a walk that is not about believing and thinking the right things, but it is about Continually and constantly saying yes to the right thing, doing the right thing, letting everything in your life, all of who you are, be devoted to this yes, trusting that by doing so, God will bring you all the goodness and fullness of life you could ever imagine for here and now and forevermore. Paul is trying to remind the church of their identity, of their calling, of their need for God. Because when we were Doing all the other yeses when I was a child and struggling, even though I was baptized in the church, brought up in the church, doing lots of good things, I hadn't fully understood how to give all my life. I believed in Jesus Christ, but I hadn't entered into this new walk because the walk is an active way of living. And so I said, yes, God, I need you. I need you to lead me and guide me. I need to serve you. I need your yes to be my yes. And in that moment of crying out of, I need all your need, the Holy Spirit then became a partner with me. Holy Spirit was always there, but now I'm saying I am gonna start listening all the time and dedicating all of myself, which means that if I go to invest time, to spend time with something, I need to stop and consult and discern with the church, with myself, and think, is this serving my bigger yes? Because if it's not, then I must say no so that I can continue to say yes. If it is gonna serve the bigger yes, great, go for it. If it's not, I say yes to God. If it's how I'm going to invest my money, I stop and think, is this serving my bigger yes? Am I being obedient, holy, faithful, conforming to the pattern of life modeled in Jesus Christ? If so, great, say yes. If it's not, I have to say yes to God. If I'm going to speak in this capacity, if I'm going to speak when I'm with my friends in a a private setting, if I'm going to speak with my family, if I'm going to speak on my own about things in my life, I should stop and consider, is what I'm about to say and how I'm saying it, is it saying yes to my biggest Yes, because if not, I need to stop because that is not going to lead me to a good place. It's not going to bear good fruit. If I'm going to post something on social media, is it serving my bigger yes or am I just angry right now and it's going to make me feel better? Is it serving the bigger yes? When I'm invited into discussions on racism to understand what's happening around me, is it serving my bigger yes or not? Just saying no, I don't want to hear it because it makes me uncomfortable. Is that serving your bigger yes to God, to understanding God's justice and way of life? Or is it not? If you are in a relationship that's abusive and you're scared to death, saying yes to God is trusting that God will lead you, that God defines who you are, that God has nothing but joy and life for you that you are worthy and precious and sacred, and you are made worthy in Jesus Christ to have these good things, which means doing really scary things and saying no and, and riskiness. And we've all, not all of us have been in that situation, but we all know somebody who has. We've been battled addiction. We've battled anger and pride and status, and we've had... We have to start breaking the pattern of the old way to start establishing in the new pattern, letting the Holy Spirit establish the new pattern in our life, a pattern of yes to God alone. Because Paul points out, Jesus showed us the way of obedience to God all the way to the cross and showed us the resurrected life that lies beyond has given us the Holy Spirit to lead us into the same kind of life. And every step that we take, every time we say yes, every time we say no, we grow in our wisdom and our awareness. We take a step closer to God. We become more holy. We become more sanctified. We become more the way we always wanted to be, full of life and grace and truth and peace. And we are being led on by the Holy Spirit who longs to lead you and who will lead you, set you on fire in your heart to purify you and to lead you in the way of goodness and eternal life, life with God here and now to empower you and enable you to say yes because sin and death hold no power over you anymore because of Jesus Christ. So we should trust in the pattern of life that Jesus has shown us, that the Holy Spirit still speaks with confidence as a church, as individuals, that we can trust even when we don't know where this might be taking us, we can know that it is good and that it is life as it was meant to be. We know what lies the other way. Let us cast off all that stands in our way, all that might hinder us and hold us back, even if it's ourselves. Let us process everything through the bigger yes. Is this leading us toward God? Am I letting God lead me? Or am I giving my obedience to something else? My friends, nothing has power over you anymore other than what you give it. Give your life to God and let God lead you to eternal life in Jesus Christ through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We thank you for joining us today. And it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.